reopen. We close this evening with a report from doctors working in hospitals across the country who claim that the interruption in the supply of PPE is causing The human toll of COVID-19 has been incalculable, and it has disrupted America's healthcare system along with so much else. But for all its strengths, that same system was broken in many ways long before the pandemic hit. Welcome to Until It's Fixed, a podcast by Optum about harnessing technology to create and improve healthcare. I'm Susan Denser, and I'll be your host for this probing 10-part series. It's aimed at anyone and everyone who cares about healthcare in America and who has ever asked why, since this system is state-of-the-art in so many ways, does it have to be so expensive, so difficult to navigate, and so complex. Our series will feature both Optum's own experts and distinguished leaders in healthcare. They'll explain how human ingenuity, data, analytics, and technology are coming together to address some of the toughest issues that the health system faces. Before we get into today's episode, you might be wondering who and what actually makes up the healthcare sector of our economy and our society. Let's start with the basics. First, there are all of us who need or want health care, patients or consumers. Then there are the providers, the organizations and individuals delivering health care, doctors, nurses, and other clinicians, plus a whole lot of other people working in hospitals, clinics, and other venues. Thank you for calling United Healthcare. For English, Then there are health care plans that many of us rely on for insurance to protect our families and ourselves. And there are affiliated organizations that manage health care benefits on behalf of large employers. Those employers are often called purchasers. Many are in the private sector, but there are also state and local governments that buy coverage for their workers. Welcome to Medicare. In a few words, then there are programs like Medicaid and Medicare, administered by the federal and state governments and funded by all of us as taxpayers. Same with the Veterans Health Administration, or VA, that provides care to veterans. And the military also has its own health care system. There's also the life sciences sector. Think companies that research, develop, and sell prescription drugs, therapies, and medical devices. And there are tens of thousands of other organizations that support the system in myriad ways, from distributing supplies to running electronic health records, to harnessing data for new insights into health and health care. In theory, all of these players should work together to improve the health care and health outcomes for all of us. But most of us recognize that the system doesn't function as well as it could. Surveys suggest that most Americans believe that there are serious problems in U.S. healthcare. It's also a major question whether the system is financially sustainable. National healthcare expenditures are running about $4 trillion a year now and projected to rise to $6 trillion annually in 2028. It's not at all clear whether we'll be buying better health outcomes with all that money. In the coming weeks, we're going to explore the many and complex issues facing our healthcare system. 
what needs to change, and how we can start to make those changes. One possible solution is applying more data and information technology to healthcare so that we understand better how and where we're spending money and how best to make the changes needed. Today, I'm speaking with Rick Bernard, the Chief Technology Officer for the division responsible for developing data and technology solutions within Optum. Optum's one of the country's largest health services firms. Rick's been in this position for nearly a decade. I asked him what had changed over that time. You know, a lot, uh, a lot has really changed. One, one of the things that we've really seen in the industry is the adoption of technology has accelerated at a pace that is really exciting. A lot of healthcare is still in a manual mode whereby a lot of the interactions are still manual. We all know that experience where you go to a doctor and pretty much even if it's your primary care physician, every time you show up, they hand you a clipboard and a pen and ask you to fill out paperwork. There's really no need for that. In this day and age, most of that information could be collected in advance, turned into bits and bytes of data, and stored for later use at a time when people really need it. As you think about how we traverse our day, maybe a little less so in the COVID world, but certainly under normal circumstances, you know, you go on vacation in Florida, somebody has an accident, you go to the hospital, and they know nothing about that patient whatsoever. Um, how much more effective would it be if they have access to that patient's background and history before they try to help that uh, individual patient understand what kind of medications? They don't rely on the patient for medication history, any surgical procedures, any allergies, any of those things that you get asked. You know, those are, those are the kind of things that we can do collectively to really affect change in the industry and, and make it much more efficient for everybody. So you're making information, that information travel where it needs to be. So it goes with the patient, in effect. We're enabling the capability so that that information can be accessed, assuming proper consent, of course. Security is obviously a big factor here. There, there are a lot of regulatory changes on the forefront that will force those parts of the healthcare ecosystem who have not been that open in the past to exchanging data. It's not that they've been reluctant to share the data. It's been the reluctance of change in the ecosystem and the dependence on new technologies that uh, many of organizations may not be familiar with that will facilitate these transactions going forward. So we're, we're very excited about some of these um, opportunities to be much more effective looking forward. The regulatory changes Rick referred to are broadly characterized as interoperability, a term you'll hear throughout this series. In 2016, a law called the 21st Century Cures Act was passed with bipartisan support in Congress. The law governs how different parts of the health system need to share data electronically. 
And just to stay on that theme for a moment, we know that the the vision that the government certainly is driving toward is the notion that if you're an individual, you ought to be able to access your health information anywhere you are on your phone, your smartphone, by virtue of uh, of an application program interface that's essentially transmitting that data right onto your phone. That's the future that Optum Insight is going to be living in, right? For sure. That will absolutely be the future. In fact, in, in many cases, it's reality today. We have applications today that can consolidate, that do consolidate patient data on behalf of that patient so that you can see uh, your entire history regardless of where you may have had some interaction with healthcare, you know, in your home state, in your hometown with your primary care, all the way to some transaction that uh, you had while you were on vacation. Absolutely, that, that's where the industry is going. And at the end of the day, you know, it is the patient's data. It's, it's our individual data. I'm speaking as an individual. It's my data. So I should have the right to access that data across healthcare, regardless of what services I receive from whom. I should be able to get that access. And that that has indeed been a big challenge in the industry. And for consumers who are so used now to having the information that they want, where they want it, when they need that, this is the key to unlocking that for their health care. Yeah, Susan, if you think about um, the healthcare industry as compared to many others, I mean, if I'm going to go to the store and buy some lumber for a project, I can actually look on the website before I go to that store and determine if they have it in inventory, pre-buy it, and show up and pick it up right away. You know, that kind of instant gratification, instant results is something that's been slow to adopt in the healthcare space. And a lot of reasons for that, but the industry is changing to represent a much more effective transaction flow so that you know I've I've got a knee problem I need to find out what specialists are in my area and I can make a conscious decision about which specialists I want to go and see based on a variety of factors those factors may include things like ratings or success of that individual doctor it may also include things like cost, where I have the opportunity to evaluate the cost of going to see Dr. Smith versus Dr. Joe. So, you know, those are all things that really consumers are asking for. Uh, we have built many of those capabilities today. We have them in our uh, mobile apps as well as our web capabilities online. Yeah, I think we'll, we'll see a lot more of that as we look forward where the consumer is really empowered to make more conscious decisions about how they interact with uh, healthcare. Consumers, not to mention the other players in the healthcare system, can't make those decisions without information. 
That brings us to the big topics of health information technology and digital health. You hear these terms every day now, digital health, telehealth, telemedicine, and they all sound sort of the same, so let's take a moment to unpack them. Telehealth is a big category. It includes interactions over video between patients and providers, or even over the phone. It can also include digital wellness apps that track your steps or exercise. It could also mean a wearable device that monitors your glucose level. Digital health means every aspect of healthcare that is, in effect, digitally enabled. That means it's a big ecosystem of technologies, services, and interactions. It could be using telehealth to have a video visit with your doctor, or using an app to schedule an appointment or estimate the cost of your care. But it also means using and analyzing digitized data to determine what has gone on or is likely to go on with a patient. The pandemic and the social distancing necessary to contain it caused telehealth to explode. It's one of those interesting scenarios that I don't think uh, healthcare overall as a community realized the benefit that telehealth could bring to the table until it was a requirement, until the pandemic put such restrictions on our ecosystem that it was no longer feasible for you to get in a car and um, go see the doctor for, for a fever. It wasn't possible. So through the kind of forced change in the ecosystem, telehealth went from a very small percentage of our interactions to a much more focused agenda and ultimately a primary service delivery vehicle for Optum. And, and it's another area where um, we were thoughtful in our agenda that it was apparent that telehealth had the opportunity to uh, make those interactions a little more efficient under the right circumstances. Efficiency and effectiveness is really important in any transaction. And we want to ensure that we, you know, we take waste out of the system, so to speak. So where we can be more effective, where we can use something like telehealth, let's do it. The question on the minds of so many is, are those changes in virtual care delivery going to stick past the pandemic? Or are we going to go back to more of a model of the way care used to be? What do you think? No, I think they're absolutely going to stick. Well, that is certainly the kind of intervention that's going to make the healthcare system work better for people. We know at the same time, the system still is not working that well for everybody. And particularly in the pandemic, there are a lot of people whom the system is still, if not failing, certainly not addressing all of their needs. So let's say I'm a vulnerable patient. I'm you know, got a lot of chronic conditions. Maybe I'm elderly and have those conditions. I'm living in a kind of an internet desert, an area with not much connectivity. How does Optum, Optum Insight serve me? You know, at, at the end of the day, a lot of healthcare boils down to ensuring that we can help in a preventative way prevent the next 
illness or the next episode of a chronic illness. And the way in which we do that is through data. So managing a wealth of information, uh, a course appropriately authorized and appropriate consent uh, from the patient. But by maintaining that data, we can go down the path of helping predict who's going to get sick next with what kind of uh, a disease or episode and what might be the best treatment for that individual. We know for those vulnerable, as an example, that housing and transportation is a really big challenge. Well, let's put programs in place to address that uh, across the ecosystem. And let's put policies that help promote an agenda that supports them and use the data that we're collecting around the services that they receive to help predict what's next, not only for the individual, but for a community and for a population. That's really where the data comes into play. And and that, frankly, something like COVID has been a, a big part of where the breadth of the data that a company like Optum has can help us predict where the next outbreak might occur, where we may need to help the community or help our own employees stage uh, additional equipment, more testing, you know, help the, the hospital systems in a region be more prepared. You know, that, that's where the data comes into play. Have you been able then to gather existing data, look at what we know about testing positivity and other factors, and and actually make those kinds of predictions that here's a community that is on the edge of a major outbreak? Yeah, we do. We do today. I'd say it's a much larger challenge with something like COVID, where there's really no background in history. There's no baseline, if you will, having accurate predictions in a COVID world is a much more complicated technical agenda. But we do indeed today have uh, capabilities where we can predict with a high degree of accuracy where the next outbreak might occur and therefore help that entire community be much more proactive in uh, dealing with those outbreaks. Or it sounds like it's theoretically possible my employer is going to know better that our area that we're operating in is at risk of an outbreak and take new steps to protect me as a worker. Absolutely. It's it's one of the areas that uh, we're having some great conversations today with many employers who want access to this data as well for exactly the reason that you described that um, they can alert their employees in a given community that uh, we're at risk of an outbreak and, you know, can facilitate that employee population down the path of taking the appropriate action, whatever that may be, depending on uh, the severity. The type of preventive action that Rick describes depends on having access to massive amounts of data. That's one of the biggest reasons to be optimistic about healthcare's future we have more data than ever before. 
Some of the pertinent data, things like an individual's vital signs or test results, have existed for decades, but they only became digitized data in the mid-1990s. Suddenly, researchers could take data that previously was only available person by person, put it together, and make informed analyses based on data across entire populations. Other types of medical data never existed until recently. Think about a continuous glucose monitor that somebody with diabetes could wear that monitors their A1C levels continuously. And over the past 10 years, there's been a growing appreciation for how social determinants influence health and outcomes, such as knowing where someone lives and how far away is the nearest grocery store selling healthful produce. The quantity of data is mind-boggling and impossible for any one person to make sense of it all. That's where this phrase artificial intelligence comes in. AI encompasses a whole host of different capabilities. One is AI that helps to make information useful. Think about a computer program that can translate a scanned paper document from a primary care doctor's office into discrete digitized pieces of data. Another type of AI analyzes data. An algorithm can search through mountains of data to find patterns and make predictions. I asked Rick about where he sees AI playing a role, both today and in the future. And you'll be using the tools, if you will, of artificial intelligence, machine learning, deep neural networks increasingly, all of that uh, to make use of this data and inform those predictions that you described. We absolutely will. I'd like to put this in the category to keep it simple of artificial intelligence that are a, it's a category of capabilities that we will leverage to uh, serve these needs. We are exploring and leveraging a lot of those capabilities today to do many of the predictions and forecasting that um, we offer in our application and portfolio. And we see that continuing. It's, it's an area that you hear a lot of talk about these days and a lot of hype. But frankly, at the end of the day, we can see through implementing those technologies that we can be really effective. We have the health, healthcare and clinical knowledge to help understand what these things actually mean. We have the reach in the ecosystem to actually implement those capabilities real time so that we can affect change, real change in healthcare today. So what you're talking about really sounds like the definition of innovation. If you think of innovation as not necessarily always creating something that's brand new, but taking things that already exist and using them in a different context, as we're doing now in the course of the pandemic. Would you agree? I do agree. Um, in many cases, we may simply improve upon a process that we already have. You know, telehealth is a good example of a simple improvement to a process that already existed. Uh, interacting with your physician is a process that existing for 100 plus years. Improving upon that is an innovation that was put in place by telehealth. So, again, we've got to think about this in a spectrum of capabilities and services that we can offer. 
and in simple improvements can be just as beneficial as some major new threshold of capability that we create. So paint me a picture of a vastly improved U.S. healthcare system a decade from now and how the technologies we've been talking about get us there. Yeah, a future, a future healthcare ecosystem is, is uh, an interesting challenge and opportunity for all of us, frankly. And as a healthcare community, we have to work together to facilitate the changes required to do that. I know that at Optum, we are uh, looking at a lot of these technologies and leveraging a lot of these technologies and services that facilitate something like what I'm about to describe. The future might not be as far away as we realize. So if we take a scenario where you have a child who has suddenly gotten sick at home, maybe a fever, uh, maybe some other symptoms you're unfamiliar with, if you could simply pick up your phone, reach out to your choice of healthcare providers, have a virtual interaction with that healthcare provider whereby he or she can use a variety of technologies to see the individual patient and get a whole host of biometric and other data from that individual patient from your phone and potentially other sensors, diagnose the condition, automatically prescribe any medication required that would be delivered within a very reasonable time frame to your home directly. Through that transaction, in advance of the interaction, you already know what the financial obligation you may have as an individual. So not only can you facilitate a virtual interaction that is uh, highly interactive, um, but quite autonomous and predictive in nature, facilitate any follow-up services automatically, any prescriptions required automatically delivered. I think that's really the healthcare of the future. I think a lot of what I just described, those pieces actually exist today. Many of them do, not all of them, but many of them do. I think that's, that's really where we're headed. And I'm excited personally for myself and my family to see that happen. For everyone who's been frustrated by interactions with or by their jobs within the healthcare system, Rick's vision feels like some far-off fantasy. You can order 300 pounds of dog food and four tires for your car online, and both will arrive at your door one or two days later. But good luck deciphering your benefits or finding the right doctor. Why is it so difficult and so convoluted? Throughout this 10-part series, we'll be searching for the answers. In our next episode of this podcast series, we'll tackle the question of how the healthcare system actually works for the consumer. Without connected data and considering the whole person, it can't. 
In our podcast, patients, employers, and healthcare professionals will explain why. That's all for today. This is Until It's Fixed, a podcast from Optum. I'm Susan Denser. Thanks for listening.